Hello and welcome to The Bunker. I'm Arthur Snell. In May 2017, Dan Het tragically lost his brother Martin, who was a victim of the Manchester Arena bombing that killed 23 people at an Ariana Grande concert. As a way to help him understand and deal with that tragedy, Dan has turned to the interesting world of interactive novels, and he has produced a novel called Closed Hands, which examines the causes and effects of a terrorist attack in a fictional UK city. This groundbreaking cultural form is new to me, and I imagine to many of the listeners. So I'm delighted to have Dan here with us in the bunker to talk to us about Closed Hands. Dan, welcome. Nice to meet you. Thanks for having me. So Dan, what is an interactive novel? Crikey. Okay, so an interactive novel, I suppose suppose what we're talking about is interactive fiction very broadly. And many of your readers, readers, many of your listeners of a certain age may remember uh, Choose Your Own Adventure books and that sort of thing. Yeah, Um, I was thinking about that. To turn left, turn to page 34 and that kind of thing. Yes, absolutely. To slay the goblin, turn to page 20. And there's always, you're always cheating and flicking through the pages. And so um, interactive fiction really is a digital kind of equivalent of that. And it's an enormous space within video games. I've gone for quite a, so the work that I do is quite traditional and follows that sort of branching structure. So typically stories that I write tend to be very kind of, they're very broad and you end up in different locations depending on the decisions you make. There are quite a lot of flavors of interactive fiction. Um, Again, some of your listeners might have checked out Bandersnatch, which was the interactive Black Mirror episode that Charlie Brooker put together. And that followed the same sort of thing where you'd view a certain bit of the story and then you would reach a kind of decision point every so often, sometimes quite without much warning, that kind of thing. And the ending points tend to diverge quite a lot. So depending on the decisions you make, your story will take quite a number of different turns. Do you come to this from a perspective of sort of being a writer or are you a, are you a games creator? Or how, how would you sort of describe your route into this art form? It's a little of both, I suppose. So my background is as a digital artist. So I passed through agencies and that sort of thing, learning to program computers, Uh, spent quite a lot of time at the BBC as an engineer there. And much of my work during that time was as a software person or a a digital person, um, often you become a printer for other people's ideas. Yes. And often I would I would receive a story or something finished that some that you know all the fun had happened really and I was kind of tasked with building it over the last kind of five or six years that I've transitioned into wanting to tell my own stories and kind of write my own content and that kind of thing. So I, I've always written, but the interactive fiction kind of model suits both my hats, as it were. You know, I, yeah. I, I've always written, but I've suddenly found a found a way to kind of transform my writing into something that. It's a, a, a technical language that I speak, and the form is, you know, far older than predates me by several decades as a as a writing form, really, through printed materials. It has been a, a revelation, really, and, and is for many people, really, um, in terms of telling stories that have a, a kind of a branching sort of non-linearity, uh, which yeah. you, you don't get through, you know, traditional media, really. Um, yeah. it's, also, it's also worth saying that um, I've been misquoted a couple of times as saying, that this is a, a better way to tell stories. And I would I would like to just state for the record, this is not the case. It's a, it's a different way of telling stories. As I said in the introduction, you came to this particular story via a, a really awful personal tragedy. Would you be able to say a little bit about, uh, not necessarily the event itself, but how you have 
tried to deal with it as a person and why this this particular story has has relevance there Sure. Um, I, so I guess really going back to the, there were a number of works that, that out were precursors to this project. So this project is a massive thing that isn't about me. and it, But it's still fair to say that it wouldn't have existed or emerged had I not gone through what I'd gone through, of course. Yeah. And the original project that came out of my experiences was a, a really tiny game called See You Later, which was also interactive and you could kind of click through it and make decisions. And it was a, a really basic text kind of game where you could follow my story, but with all of the details removed. You, there was no there was no identifying information in there, but it was an experience. And that was written originally for myself, really. There was no intention to put it in front of people. But what it did do was it allowed me to get down some of the decisions that I didn't make, if that makes sense. And one of the things that interactive fiction allows you to do is talk about pathways and possibilities and say, well, actually, I chose this pathway in real life. But there were three or four other things that I could have done, all of which are valid choices and all of which might have led to different events. So interactive fiction really became like my knee-jerk output. And, uh, you know, I've, I've been working in the arts my entire life. I'm a, I'm a creative person. And it, initially, my, I, just, I wanted just to get it down somewhere in some form because I was so worried about forgetting parts of it. And so that, that became like kind of a, a natural way for me to do it. When you say sort of different pathways... Were you sort of exploring ways in which perhaps this tragedy could have been avoided or or more that you could have responded in a different way? Yeah, it was it was the latter, definitely. So um, much of what I, I was writing about was, was summing up my experiences over the, the days after finding out and everything happening. And, the, yeah. you know, the, the, the original game, and I'm, I'm loath to even call it a game, really. It's a, a you know, yeah. piece of writing, really. It really covers some of the decisions that I didn't make afterwards. So the idea of, for example... I had a journalist turn up at my house at about eight o'clock in the morning, banging on the door. And he left a handwritten note underneath my door asking for information. And my decision point at that point was, do I ignore him or do I chase him down the street and punch him? You know, that kind of like then there were the whole that certainly the, the two or three days that followed were at first glance, you go, wow, this was a really huge experience that you went through. But the reality was it was many, many small, very, very intense experiences, you know, being bundled into police cars, speaking to people, being interviewed, all all of this stuff, you're just thrown into this maelstrom of very, very small, chaotic events, if that makes sense. I imagine it's hard to kind of contextualize and, and sort of order those those memories because it presumably so so is kind of traumatic and and, and fast moving. Yeah, very much so. And, and many of the decisions were small and throwaway. You know, they weren't all huge life and death choices. And, and that's true of Close Hands and my other work, really. A lot of this is, could I, said, could I have said something different? Could I have I've done something different, walked a different way? All of these things. And my early work, so the, the game is called See You Later. And the title is taken from a throwaway text that my brother sent me, you know, a couple of days before. And yeah, a lot of that work is about the idea of me saying, I wonder what if. And I don't think I could have changed anything. And the game is interesting in that it doesn't end up in a different place. So you, as a reader slash player of this piece of work, you don't really have any choice about the end point. And, but you can take different routes through it. Um, I haven't worked out the numbers, but there is a route through that game that reflects my reality. And I'm the only person who knows which decisions I made. Who knows what that is. Yeah, yeah. How, how interesting. One of the things, if, if I'm not mistaken, I think with closed hands... It's it's obviously a multi-character game, 
and I think I've seen you you describe it. You're trying to sort of pull back the lens and see this situation, a notional terrorist attack, from a variety of different angles. As I understand it, I think you're trying to understand the why. You know, what why do these things happen? That leads us onto the sort of question of why do people carry out these these awful actions? What 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 has this process sort of taught you about possible answers to that question? Oh man, uh, so that's that's the the question, isn't it? So yeah. um, really, the, the the game you've hit the nail on the head there. Really, the, the game in those hands is much more about my questions around us and society and us as a population and us as you know groups of people rather than my individual experience you know my my early work was about me but this is about us really and um it's yeah i mean it, so it, it was written to be not confrontational but certainly we, you know we keep using the word unflinching in how we describe this game and it is really you know it was it was, it was difficult to write and it was difficult to research um and yeah. it's probably difficult to play for some people but i i think there's value in doing it and having these conversations and part of the part of the job really for me was creating a piece of work that did try to answer some of these questions you know these really big lofty questions and i i wouldn't profess to say that it has answered many of them but it does i think add maybe some context you know we've got a story within the game that doesn't it's about a terror attack but at no point in the game is the terror attack depicted but what we do instead is we go 20 years into the past and look at our characters 20 years before the attack and then conversely, we go 10, 15, 20 years into the future and we look at the aftermath. And really, the game is about cause and effect. It's not about the event, you know. In terms of what answers I've gleaned from it, um, I think that the core takeaway I hope for players is just that none of this is simple. And that's which sounds like a complete cop out, but it really is. Um, the idea that, you know, none of the people involved in real life were simple caricatures with simple motivations and the game tries to reflect that really um which is why i think that the interactive format really works because players are able to explore that as much as they want or as little as they want and obviously the interactive format i suppose emphasizes this point of contingency events that occur are always the product of a series of small choices that are made and and a particular choice could set you in a different direction yeah, absolutely that. So we, we've intentionally made the game quite non-linear in the way we present it. So the first thing that you see in the game is a symbol denoting the incident, saying something happened here, and then five mm. sort of offshoot stories, like sort of almost threads that you can start exploring and playing for each character. The whole thing has been intentionally made so it doesn't follow a linear path. And the idea is that some players will gravitate towards certain characters for different reasons and go, okay, well, I'm interested in what happens here. And some players will go forward in time as if they were watching a film. You know, we, we see the next day and then a week later and, and whatever. Yeah. Whereas depending on the character you choose, you might choose someone where you immediately stop looking at the the attack and you go 20 years into the past and see them as a child. And in order to fill in their their actions later on in the present day, we need to understand where they came from and that kind of thing. So we we really did write it as non-linearly as possible, which you know presents its own problems when things don't go in a straight line. Um but I think that's part of the charm of the the platform really. Would you would you be able to perhaps for the listeners sort of briefly talk us through because I think it's five characters and and how they sort of interact. Yeah, um so like I say we we start the game where you've got a single scene available for each of the characters and you can begin to kind of pull the threads of each of those stories um or you can flip between them as well. 
So the the initial character that we wrote was a guy called Marcus, who really is quite similar to me. You know, although this is a complete work of fiction, he's just some guy who gets caught up in the thing. And he is suddenly uh, hounded by the press and the police, and he's thrown into this thing. And he's the way in which we we see the present day, really. He's a really good analog for a camera being there, basically. Um, And he's he's kind of our default story, really. Yeah. Um, we've then got Beth, who is a, a journalist character, who is somebody that I wrote in very explicitly because part of the game was really responding to my experiences with quite hostile press intrusion and that sort of thing. And there's a whole story to be told around how I did the research for that involving pinging people back three years later after they pestered me in 2017, which was mm. eye-opening for some people. Um, I can imagine. <laughs> Perhaps you could say a bit more about that. That sounds really fascinating. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so just, just to clarify the other characters, we've got um, yeah. Farah, who's an intelligence operative, and she is a really good way of seeing our characters at a distance and um, quite far in the past. Um, we've got a guy called Mike, who is almost like a, a kind of counter-radicalized far-right type, who's arguably our most nuanced character, um, which some people find surprising given my politics, I think. Mm. And we've got uh, Hazik, who is the father of one of the attackers as well. So he was a a way in which we can look at the effects of these things on communities like the Muslim community without being too gratuitous and following attackers around and that kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah, so we've got this kind of ensemble kind of five character kind of story. And then we've got another probably 30 or 40 different perspectives in the game that cover just the inhabitants of the city. So we we hear about radio phone-ins or, you know, pub conversations, people at football matches, you know, just stuff that fills in the story as well. That's not necessarily about the central cast because yeah. really the effects of these things affect whole cities. And we, we, we've tried to illustrate that as best as possible. So tell me about this situation with, with going back to, to reporters, because I think your experience... I mean, I've actually seen you sort of talk a little bit about this in an interview is in terms of the sort of hostility of the press. And and let's not forget, this was some you were somebody who had just faced an unimaginable personal tragedy. Mm. It's rather interesting that you had this way to sort of respond to it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tricky, isn't it? You know, if I mentioned before that my the biggest lesson from this is that none of this is simple. I think the journalist kind of character illustrates this really well. And the role of Beth, our journalist, is really to look at how difficult this can be sometimes. And one of the very early scenes we see her as a junior reporter way in the past, having to intrude on someone's life and make these decisions about whether to, whether to knock on the door or not. And that kind of carries mm. through into the present day of the story. And she was one of the better research characters just by way of the fact that I'd been on the receiving end. But what I was able to do was I had dozens and dozens of DMs on various platforms and messages and missed calls and things. And I just pinged people back. And most of them I didn't respond to at the time. Mm. And so all of my messages are from the 23rd of May, 2017. And suddenly right. it's, it's 2021 and I, I, I replied and said, oh, hey, um, a fair amount has happened. Can I ask you some questions? The response was quite nice. You know, there's, I'm, I've, I shan't name any of my sources, really. No. Um, I've had um, both radio and tele press folk um, and also kind of more print journalists respond quite positively to the idea that I'm not painting the journalist character in this as a hostile person with a microphone sticking it through a letterbox. There's way yeah. more to it than that. And, you know, I understand as much as anybody that, you know, stories, people want the stories. Stories need to be told. Information needs to be given out. And I, all of that works. But really, this is kind of looking at 
going, well, is there a right and wrong way to do this and a right and wrong time in which to do this? And, you know, all of that stuff is really getting into the kind of thorny ethics of this thing. And again, it's, it's, it's just kind of trying to illustrate to players or readers that none of this is simple. And sometimes the decisions you'll have to make during the game that these characters face are not black and white. And there isn't necessarily yeah. a definitely correct way or incorrect way of doing these things. And, you know, there are quite a lot of shades of grey within this thing. When you look at sort of what's happening in our society and how we tackle these issues, do you feel that we're, we're on the right lines? Um, and I, I mean, I ask this, that sounds like a loaded question. I ask this having <laughs> myself worked in this field and, and I don't feel that we've achieved very much. It seems to me that we spent a certain amount of time sort of objectifying one faith group and then, you know, that, that didn't mean there weren't, of course, very serious issues because, you know, we, we saw the outcome in certain cases, but it doesn't necessarily seem to have got to the sort of underlying questions. So I suppose uh, stepping away from, from the game and, and, and the interactive novel, what's your perspective on how society can better confront these issues? Wow, quite the question, isn't it? <laughs> and one I, one uh, I wish just, I just a, you know, just an easy one for you there. <laughs> I mean, for, for me, it's it's about communication. It really is. And you know, as as an artist, my my job is to communicate. And I, I feel like the role of things like creative work are, are not taken as seriously as they could be. Um, yeah. But I just in in a more more broad sort of context, I'm firmly in the camp that need to be speaking to people earlier. And, and clearer yeah. and more loudly, really. I'm, I'm constantly thinking that that much of this, so much of what I, I kind of fight against politically is is the result of people being reached by bad actors, for example, or the wrong material, yeah. which may sound, that sounds very Orwellian, but you kind of get my drift. And for me, it's like I, I will go into schools and give lectures and that sort of thing, not as a formalized educator. I don't have any qualifications in this field. I'm just a guy who was connected to an experience and, and yeah. speaking about it. And I think there's a there's a value in authenticity of communication. And I think mm-hmm. that I, you know, I personally respond better to somebody who is speaking to me truthfully. And even though the politics might be not necessarily what I fully believe, and the idea that that I feel like there's often more value in being able to grab somebody who's younger and hasn't hasn't drawn their battle lines yet. And you know, I, I'm I'm as guilty as anybody, for example, of of fighting fash kind of sock puppet accounts on Twitter, for example. And it's I I, I you, you, you can a lose a lot of hours to that. <laughs> yeah, completely. But I, one of the things that I've, I've really tried to bear in mind is that really when you've got somebody who is quite far along, if you've got someone far along enough, for example, that they're at an EDL rally and they are, they're going on race, race, racially aggravated mobilizations in real life and that sort of thing. Yeah. That's not the person. No matter what I do or any of us do, I'm not going to reach that person. I'm not going to de-escalate that person. Or, or it's very rare that somebody will genuinely kind of will escalate downwards away from that. And I, and I feel like the solution really is not a, oh, what can we do about these groups or, you know, wh- whatever the groups may be. For me, it's about going, okay, well, actually, can I balance your worldview in any way before you choose your camp? Because everything is so polarized and the internet yeah. is terrible for that, of course. Terrible. A really big yeah. part of why online radicalization is such a nightmare problem for people because everything is just so binary. And I think that, you know, not just artwork, but the way we talk and the way we communicate and, and the way we discuss each other and, and everything just needs to be 
it needs to happen more honestly and more that shades of gray idea really has to happen earlier and more honestly really and i think that once you get to a certain point with somebody and their belief systems are kind of established it feels like game over quite often and that's where the frustration comes in and that's kind of what i wanted wanted to do with you know one of the reasons i chose this format is that if i and it's, it's such a trite cliche nonsense thing to say but the idea of if i can reach one person through games who hadn't thought about any of this then it has succeeded as a creative work i suppose the other thing about it is is it possibly that you you can sort of go back one of the things that i think that is very damaging about social media is that it as we both know it has this very escalatory feel to it you can interact with someone and very quickly you're at a sort of level of heat in the in the debate which in normal life, it would be very unlikely you'd get to that place in at such a high speed. You know, we, we wouldn't we sort of escalate very quickly. Is that one of the advantages of of this format that it allows people to sort of experiment with slightly different behaviours with without it being in in real life? I, th- I think so. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just an intrinsic thing that interactive writing kind of gives you is just the ability to either rewind or reconsider. Um, yeah. or, or just see both things and both sides. You know, the idea that I, I can write a character that can make two really massively different decisions and come out yeah. in completely different places. And then as a player or a reader, I can kind of consider, actually, my decision point was the thing that changed this story for them. Let me go back and see the other one. And we, we kind of encourage that in, in the game, really. And that's that's been something that's been true right from when I was a kid reading Choose Your Own Adventure stories. There was always a peaceful option and a nuclear option and nothing in between. And both of them had value, but they were they were quite polarized. And one of the things that I hope Closed Hands does is is just bring those ends of the spectrum closer together a little bit. And it's not always about speak to the person or hit the person. There's there's a world of sort of nuance in there. Um, even just within a conversation, you know, the slightest change can affect the outcome. Um, and it's it's just a there are not many platforms that allow you to explore multiple kind of streams of events um, without kind of jumping around. Um, and I think that's the biggest draw of, of interactive writing for me. Just sort of drawing to a close here, if people are sort of have interest has been peaked, and I'm sure it will have been, where do they go to find Closed Hands? And where do they go to sort of learn more about the world of interactive fiction? <laughs> um, so I think your best stop for the game itself is our website. So um, closed-hands.com. And that's got a link to download the game. And there's loads of information on there as well. And it's playable completely for free as well. So we really, because it was a funded game, we we haven't needed to sell it for 20 quid a copy or anything like that. So it's completely free. We let people donate to support future work if they'd like. That would be appreciated. But if not, just give it a whirl. That's cool. Um, so it's closed-hands.com. In terms of broader interactive fiction, there's a really great site that we actually host our game on called itch.io. So that's itch, I-T-C-H dot I-O, um, which is really the kind of go-to hub nowadays for indie games and experimental video games works that's probably the best that if you've never played anything like this before and never tried it i'd definitely send you that way um and if you're completely inexperienced maybe even things like choose your own adventure stories and that sort of thing or or bandersnatch Mm. as well is still on netflix and that's well worth a go it's quite violent but it's the structure is absolutely brilliant and it's really really well done fantastic dan het thank you so much for telling us about this really exciting and interesting new art form and thanks for coming to the bunker my pleasure thank you for having me 
Listeners, remember there's a new Bunker Daily every Wednesday, Thursday and Friday with Start Your Week on Mondays and the main panel show on Tuesdays. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any new episodes. You can also back the Bunker on the crowdfunding platform Patreon. Just see our Twitter or Facebook or search Patreon Bunker Podcast. See you next time. The Bunker Daily was presented by Arthur Snell. The producer was Andrew Harrison. The assistant producers were Jacob Archbold and Jan Lasofanievich. And audio production was by me, Alex Reese. Theme tune by Kenny Dickinson. The Bunker Daily is a Podmasters production. Listener.